Good morning. I am continuing in a series of brief homilies focused on the elder brother in the parable of the prodigal son. We return to Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on, and he replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a servant for you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you've never given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The word of the Lord. <clears throat> Let us pray. Once again, holy God, we are here now with our heads bowed before your open word, asking that your spirit will do what only you can do which is allow us to find our own place in this sacred drama, your drama of our lives as well. We pray it in the name of Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Amen. After he had unjustly demanded his inheritance from his father, after he used that to run away from all of his responsibilities on the family farm, after he squandered it all in dissolute living in a foreign place, after he had to get a job feeding the pigs, an unfortunate occupation for a young Jewish man, after he became so hungry that he envied the food that he was giving the pigs, the prodigal son came to himself and decided to return home. When his father saw him approaching, he ran down the road and embraced and kissed the prodigal. The father was uninterested in his son's rehearsed deal about returning as a servant. The father was just interested in that embrace and in rejoicing because the lost had been found. When his elder son protested, he said, look, for all these years, I've been working for you like a servant, and you never gave me a goat, much less killed the fatted calf and thrown a party. But the father responded by saying, You've always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. 
Somehow in the midst of all of his careful, responsible, lifestyle choices, in the midst of all his hard work, the elder son had missed this. All that is mine has always been yours. This is very similar to a claim made by the Apostle Paul in the opening verses of his letter to the church in Ephesus, where he writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Really? We have already received every spiritual blessing from the heavenly places. Then why are we so careful, so obedient, so responsible? Why do we work so hard in our various fields of calling? Why do we strive so diligently for justice, if not to believe that we've used our years in a way that others, and especially God, would be pleased with us? It's very important to remember that before Jesus received the designation of being the beloved with whom God was so pleased, well, he didn't receive that designation until his baptism, until he identified with us in John's baptism for the remission of sins. This one who was without sin identified with us in his baptism, and this identification was so total and so complete that when heaven proclaims, this is my beloved with whom I'm pleased, that it's being said not only for the first time about Jesus, but about all humanity with whom Christ has identified. And why is God so pleased? with you? It's not because you've worked hard enough or been obedient enough or strived for enough justice. God's so pleased because you've always, in life and death, belonged to God. You are the heir of God, the joint heir of Jesus Christ who has received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All that is mine has always been yours. The second century theologian, Irenaeus, did much of his writing in response to the rise of Gnosticism, which advocated a spirituality of ascent claiming that uh, by acquiring secret knowledge and mysteries, you could climb your way out of this corrupt world and make your way back to God. And in reaction to this, Irenaeus presented a spirituality of descent in which God enters our corrupt world and our broken lives. 
And in one of these writings, Irenaeus invokes this image of the father running down the road to embrace the prodigal. And Irenaeus claims that the two arms of the father in making this embrace are the Son and the Holy Spirit, which are used by God to draw us into sacred embrace. And with this, Irenaeus has given us one of our first theologies of the Trinity. The Spirit and the Son are used by the Father to pull us home, back home. Now, as a Trinitarian theology, I realize it's a little modalistic. <laughs> Calm down. This is the second century. I got it. But here is Irenaeus's point. That in giving us the Spirit and the Son, God's given us all that heaven has to offer every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You already have it. With the Son, you have been made holy by his presence. With the Spirit, you have been adopted into the Son's beloved relationship with the Father. And you have received all that the Father has to offer. It, the Father has given with both hands. When I was in graduate school, we had a Korean exchange student studying with us in our doctoral seminar for a semester. Any time there was an American holiday, he would come to the seminar with little presents that he would give everybody in the seminar. Even like Columbus Day or like today, Veterans Day. We all got little presents. These are inexpensive things, often they were things that he had made. But he would, he would go around the table and he would present each one with, with two hands. And if he couldn't reach you with two hands, he would do one, but he'd put the other hand on the other arm as if to indicate this is two-handed giving. Eventually one of us asked, why do you always present these gifts with both hands? And he just kind of shrugged and said, I don't know, it's, it's, it's our custom. I think it means that with this gift, I'm giving you all of myself. Two-handed giving. When I hear about a need, it's almost always one-handed giving. I look at what I have and I say, you need that? Yeah, you can have that. Because I have plenty in this. Irenaeus's point. Paul's point, Luke's point in depicting the father's response to his elder son is that God has already given with both hands all that heaven has to offer. And what God has given is God. All that is left is gratitude. We certainly still strive hard in our fields of calling, but not so that eventually someone will be pleased with us. No, it's, we strive hard because we are so thankful 
that we have been adopted into the Holy Family. You know, there are so many emotions that can swirl along together in the human heart. But it is impossible to be grateful and jealous. You can't be grateful and full of hate at the same time. You can't be grateful and cynical. But you can be grateful and loving. You can be grateful and just. You can be grateful and very humble. So if you are interested in these higher virtues of life, gratitude is one of the best paths I know to get there. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.